Dotnet Rocks episode 897 with guest Chris Sells. Recorded live Friday, August 2nd, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePAK.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard here for another hour of goodness. Goodness gracious. What's up, my friend? Goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Is that where you're going? Great balls of fire. Great balls of fire. I um I got nothing to complain about. Nobody's listening anyway. I've been home for two <laughs> weeks for the first time this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just hanging with my girls. They're kind of cool people. They are. Yeah. Once, once you get to know them. Yeah. We spend, spend a little time with them, you know. We go out to lunch. We chat. So That's great. Family time. Awesome. Yeah. I actually had a house full of 20-something girls last night. All the friends were over, so. I had uh, I had my cousin, my father's cousin, uh, Don, who I never I never see, only once in a while. He and a bunch of fam came over, and what was great about it was uh, going through old photos of family stuff, and my daughters were there, and so they got to see a side of my father's family that they had never seen before. And they liked him. So, you know, it's good when the relatives get along. That's what I'm saying. Hey, it's time for Better Know Framework. All right, what do you got? What do I got? Yet another JavaScript library. Oh, boy. Well, you know what's cool is... I, every once in a while, I just go look and see what people are talking about, like on Stack Overflow or whatever yep. in the blogs. And uh, every once in a while, somebody wants an alternative to jQuery and or wants to do drag and drop or, you know, this kind of stuff. And I, I see this one coming up a couple of times. It's Scriptaculous. Scriptaculous? Yeah. So the, the URL is actually script.aculo.us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the user interface, baby. Yeah. And so it's fairly lightweight and, um, you know, it does a lot of the stuff that jQuery does. And it's a widget library for websites. JavaScript. Know and learn it, love it. Go check it out. If you haven't, you know, hey, it's just another, could be another very cool uh, tool to have in your belt. Richard, who's talking to us? Yeah, you just need to know about these things, don't you? That's it. And that's what you're here for. That's why I'm here. I'm just shining a little light in the corner of the web. Nice. All makes sense. Yeah. I grabbed a comment off of show 734. And why would I have 734? Because that was Chris Sells Unplugged. Ooh. That's actually a while ago, because that was right after Chris had joined Telerik. And I mean, part of that conversation was his whole process of engaging with uh, a new company and and Mark Pearl had this great comment from two years ago. So surprise, Mark, you get a mug. Uh, hi, guys. One point I didn't 100% agree with on this show. If I had some new VP showing up in my organization, I would totally respect him if he was checking in code. Well, maybe not checking in, but definitely checking or at least asking questions about it. The fact that a VP would understand code would get major credit with me. Scott Guthrie springs to mind as someone who is at this level. Also, I feel that looking at the source code is a very good way, if not one of the best ways, to get the pulse of a product. 
There are so many architects out there that have a skewed view on their system and reality because they've lost touch with the code and they only view things in diagrams. Not that Chris is in this situation or that Telerik doesn't make quality products. Mm. Since I'm a fully paid up ultimate subscription with Telerik, that's my rubber stamp to say they make really good controls. <laughs> we agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree that Chris Sells is absolutely grounded in reality because he does look at code. But we'll let him speak to that. Thank you, Mark, for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We make them for Windows 8, WinPhone 7 and 8, iOS and Android. And those apps were made by the great guys at Diatom Enterprises who'd love mm. to build you a mobile app, too. Absolutely. Hey, uh, shout out to uh, Dev Intersection, where we're going to be this October, October 27th through 30th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And uh, all the people you know and love are going to be there. Hanselman, Guthrie, uh, Paul and Kim are going to be there. Dan Holmes going to be there. Uh, you and I are going to be there. Tim Huckabee is going to be there. So uh, just a whole bunch of great content. You want to go to devintersection.com. And if you use the referral, you know, if you say that you heard about it from .NET Rocks, you get 50 bucks off. Right. Yeah. So when you sign up, you basically can say, where'd you hear about it? If you pick .NET Rocks, 50 bucks off. Hey, that's a deal. We'll see you there. Uh, but before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release about 40 to 45 new courses every month. Pluralsight's on fire. Wow, that's crazy, man. 40 to 45 new courses every month, and they're offering a free 10-day trial, 200 minutes of access to their classes. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including courses on single-page applications and lots of JavaScript and HTML, of course. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, it's the guy who started it all on .NET Rocks, the original geek out, Chris Sells. I'm talking about show 10. Chris Sells is the VP of Developer Tools Division of Telerik Corporation. Prior to that, he was the Principal Program Manager on the Visual Studio team at Microsoft working on Metro-style apps for JavaScript. Prior to that, he was Program Manager for the Microsoft Connected Systems Division, He's written several books, including Programming WPF, Windows Forms 2.0 Programming, and ATL Internals. In his free time, Chris hosts various conferences around the world. More information about Chris's various projects and stuff is available at sellsbrothers.com. Welcome back, Chris. Well, hi, guys. That was quite an introduction. Um, although, you know, you did have those nine whole shows before I showed up. You can't really, <laughs> <laughs> you can't really claim yeah. that I started anything, really. No, but yours was truly the first geek, geeky, in-depth technical show. I let me I read think. the uh, the description of this show from show ten. So this is from December second, two thousand two, uh, and there are typos, which I will read as well. Chris <laughs> talks with test with Mark and Carl about COM and .NET components, finalizers, disposing smart client Windows Forms applications. We still don't know what to call these things. <laughs> How to navigate salesbrothers.com, interview weed out questions, <laughs> and why he calls it salesbrothers. Also, yeah. Chris clears up the age-old question of why C++ programmers feel so superior to mere humans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that brings me right back 
to 2002. <laughs> yeah, we were still just figuring all this stuff out. Yeah, we felt inferior to C++ developers back then. That's the funniest part of that whole bio right there, that whole uh, whole uh, description. Boy, not anymore. <laughs> that has certainly changed. Well, we look at C++ uh, developers with awe, but not with shame, right? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah, we're I, in awe of them, but we're not ashamed to be C sharp developers. It's or like developers. It's like looking at that and going, "Man, I wish I had that kind of time it took to write C plus plus." Yeah, right. <laughs> C sharp is taking over the world. It's like the language everywhere now. So it's interesting. Um, C sharp. I did a. Uh, I was um, doing like a. A friend of mine runs a. A. a extended education course he's teaching a college course at the uh one of the local colleges here in uh in portland and uh, i was doing like a guest teach and we we did a big uh grid on the board and we said hey if you want to target uh the web if you want to target windows if you want to target ios android right so do you do c sharp so do you do javascript that was one of the students questions and we mapped it out and um, we had a hard time coming up with a platform where you know you couldn't do Either or, right? You couldn't do C Sharp or JavaScript, depending right. on, on what you wanted, right? Yeah, oh, the, the, those are the two languages that everybody's doing cross-platform with. When did C Sharp become Java? Uh, C Sharp became Java when, um, you know, you could take that code and make it work, right? The Mono project made it work Mono, on Mono, yeah. Uh, yeah. Linux and the Xamarin project um, made it work uh, for iOS and Android, right? Um and yep. there's really two kind of ways to do it, right? I mean, C Sharp and JavaScript. Obviously, Telerik, where I work, does the JavaScript and HTML thing everywhere. Uh, right. Although, of course, we have a great number of, of very popular uh, C Sharp and .NET projects uh, products. But uh, but it's amazing, right, that, that C Sharp, um, after the death of Serverlight, has suddenly roared back into this thing that you can you can build everywhere. Well, turns out developers really like it. They do. It's a wonderful oh, language. Yeah. And, and in fact, um, uh, Anders Heilsberg, who invented C Sharp along with a bunch of other things, also built another kind of bridge language, right, for C Sharp programmers that want to program sort of like C Sharp, but really need JavaScript. And of course, that's that's TypeScript, right? So you yes. can you can do C Sharp, you can do JavaScript, or you can do this kind of hybrid between them. So when you're developing in TypeScript, how do you have to remind yourself that it's not C sharp? Uh, no, that's never a problem. Um, never a problem. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, it's it from my point of view. Uh, TypeScript is really JavaScript plus plus, right? Yeah. It's it's kind of you know JavaScript the missing features. Uh, it's it's all the things that developers implement via patterns in JavaScript, but they do it. You know every. Every library does it a little differently in terms of modules and classes and namespaces and and um, you know the way uh, you extend types and and the way you encapsulate things. Right, every library has their own little ways of of um, making it easier because JavaScript doesn't provide these features. Right, they, yeah. they you can JavaScript is flexible enough that you can implement these things with patterns, but they don't provide the actual language syntax. Whereas TypeScript does provide um, syntax for all kinds of those features and more. And uh, and then all it does is is generate idiomatic JavaScript that you uh, 
you wouldn't you would have had to type yourself and in fact um one of the new language features is um they finalized the way they do enums and you know one line of enum code could be you know 12 lines of javascript i mean it's insane right. difference right so one of the things that we like to remind people about any any javascript uh library or technology is that since it embraces all of javascript you can you know integrate your favorite libraries and uh, use TypeScript at the same time. It, you know, when we hear these new technologies, a lot of times, as we're used to on on the uh, server side and on the native side, thinking, well, I have to use either this or that. But with all these JavaScript libraries, they can all just plug in and work together. And TypeScript is is no different. WinJS uh, is also one of those examples of something that just embraced JavaScript. Period. It absolutely yeah. did. In fact. Um... Uh, having been uh, on that team, one of the principals of the WinJS guys, uh, even though they were building uh, Windows 8 uh, HTML kind of bridge library, right, for building apps, um, uh, they worked very hard to kind of minimize the amount of platform access they have in that library. They they provide some wrappers around, for example, um, settings and and file storage. Uh, but in general, it's it's almost a hundred percent just pure pure JavaScript on top of the web platform. You know, I was just thinking this whole idea of we we're laughing at the idea of using TypeScript to generate JavaScript, but in the end, isn't every language generating the next language underneath it? Oh, uh, that's true, and it's funny too because <laughs> um, uh, as a you know long time C sharp uh, programmer, it really took me kind of a long time to. I mean, I went through through all of the five stages of grief moving over to <laughs> JavaScript, right? It started with denial and anger, and eventually, you know, acceptance. I moved. It took me about a year before I get to acceptance, right? <laughs> um, and now I can sling uh, JavaScript and that. I know it worked. I knew I had... Um, it went, wasn't bargaining a big one for you? Because you, <laughs> you wanted the oh, reference yes. counting, right? No, you were no, one of the God, guys. No. What? You were one of the guys reference who was like, counting? "I want reference counting in C oh, sharp." Oh no, you're talking about moving from C plus to C sharp, right? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I actually got research money from Microsoft to go and add um, reference counting to Chris. Chris Tavares did most of the work there, um, but add reference counting to the rotor uh, open source. That's or what it was. Shared yeah. source implementation, um, and that and became it, mono. Uh, no, it did not. In no way. No, wait a minute. Didn't Rotor... Mono. No, no, wait no, a second. No. Now, didn't the Rotor project, wasn't that the basis of uh, of Mono? Uh, no, it wasn't. I mean... Um, uh, what am I getting confused now? Uh, so, Rotor was Microsoft's um, shared source implementation of uh, .NET, and they did that as part, well, the .NET um, CLI, right, and C Sharp. Right, they they did that, that as part of their kind of um, ECMA submission for... You but know, that C is how Miguel. That is how Miguel de Acasa learned what he needed to do in order to recreate the .NET framework, though. Is oh, it? Oh, oh, maybe so. But I don't believe that any of the rotor source code made it into. Made oh it no, no, I, I, I'm sure it didn't. In fact, yeah. I think we were, we were, yeah. That was one of the earliest questions we had for him. But yes. So, but that, so the, okay, but there was a trail there in my brain, and I just had to sort it out. There you Thank go. You. You're, now your brain sorted. We can. Uh, it's, I'm all sorted. <laughs> Excellent. So what I was saying though is, in terms of bargaining, you're right. I mean, uh, I I played around with you know the probably my biggest uh, 
feature in C Sharp, my most favorite is absolutely uh, the link libraries, being able to, yeah. um, you know, do selects and where's and filters and top. And, and the reason that's so interesting to me isn't because, you know, it's language integrated query, right? And mm -hmm. part of part of the link libraries are in fact keywords in C sharp, but the the thing that that was a huge uh, deal to me was, you know, working over collections as sets and applying operations over collections as sets, and that was yeah. just an amazing change in the way I write code and the way I think about writing code. And I still I bring that forward um, to JavaScript, and JavaScript has some of that built in, and then some really great libraries. Um, to make it even better, underscore is one of them. Um, there are some kind of even link implementations uh, built. Uh, well, sets Java. are always easier because, you know, we as developers, the bane of our existence is writing yet another loop where we have to examine and modify and morph. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that's, that's so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you're archaic. right. Whereas, and even, you know, I've explored, uh, you know, evenings and weekends, I, I, I'm a kind of a language guy. So I've, I've picked up Python most recently and I really love that. And they have the, the, um, list comprehensions just built in, which is kind of even more deeper integrated into the language, those ideas of working over sets of data, which I love. So getting back to TypeScript and the openness of it. Um, it is just generating JavaScript, so therefore it can work with your favorite JavaScript libraries. Are there any mashups that uh, that we're not thinking of that that are especially cool? So, uh, so you're right. I mean, the, the the and so you asked me, right? Do I just ever get confused about? Hey, I'm I'm writing in TypeScript, and you know, does does it make it feel like C sharp to me? And the answer is no, because I spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, I mean, the syntax is so much better in some ways than JavaScript, but I still have to look at the, the generated JavaScript because I haven't, I'm still figuring out, you know, how, uh, how that's going to map to the world I already know in JavaScript um, and how that allows me to pull in um, external libraries. Uh, so I still look at that code, not as much as I used to. Now, mm. uh, more and more, I can just program in, in TypeScript. But the, uh, it's amazing to me, you know, uh, uh, TypeScript is Microsoft doing open source really right. Uh, there is a project called uh, Definitely Typed. It's up on CodePlex. It's over 200 um, uh, declaration libraries for TypeScript for for existing um, TypeScript, or I'm sorry, existing JavaScript libraries. So all kinds of jQuery plugins and Angular and Knockout and all of these popular libraries have... Um, TypeScript um, declaration files. And essentially, it's TypeScript does this amazing thing where it allows you to just simply take an existing JavaScript library and provide the extra type information about it external to that library. So the library can just be the library, and you can just bring it in the way you normally would. But then you bring in this extra declaration file, and then now TypeScript can actually check your use of this existing JavaScript library um, mm. at compile time. And to make sure you're using it properly, um, and there's only there's over 200 of these wrapper libraries that the community has supplied for TypeScript, not Microsoft, right? This is the open source community that has. Done so it. using link.js. Link.js. Uh, have I used that? But yes, yeah. I have. And in fact, mm -hmm. I'm using it in. Uh, I used it in one of my last uh, last HTML projects. I was using link.js. I don't understand how that 
follows on what we were just talking about. But no, I, no, it like doesn't. We're we're talking about different libraries and All right. the way. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I went. There is a madness to my method. All right. I went. Actually, it's funny you say that because I went looking for a more complete set of the, uh, you know, um, kind of comprehension libraries, and I settled on mm. on Link.js because it seemed to be the one I wanted, and I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And definitely typed. You mentioned as well, and that's on GitHub and Codeplex. Uh, let's see. Where actually it might just be on GitHub. I might be misremembering. GitHub.com/slash definitely typed. There we go. That's the one. Mm. And it's uh, it's uh, Boris Yankov um, who uh, organizes it. But as I say, it's it's something like over 200 of these wrappers around existing JavaScript libraries. It's amazing. And uh, yeah. it's it's the first time I've ever seen um, uh, something like this from Microsoft just take off so fast and get yeah. so much uh, traction. I have run into so many people, you know, TypeScript is still at 0.9. Uh, it hasn't even <laughs> released yet, really. And wow. um, people have been using it almost since day one just because they want to add some sanity into these enormous JavaScript code bases they've got. And, and it looks like, I mean, from 0.8 to 0.9, they did a bunch of breaking changes. Like, that's usually a very tough thing to pull off. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But, um, you know, that's what those point releases mean, right? This is a, a brand new language that's being... Uh, developed and you know people are using it and giving feedback and they're making uh, language improvements and they're making um, compiler speed improvements and um, and they are making it closer and closer to what what it's become with these declaration files is it's kind of become the way to add that extra static typing layer on top of existing JavaScript libraries just so you can do this type checking just so you can get this sanity in your source code base. Um, and you know, Telerik, uh, for Kendo UI, we ship, uh, TypeScript and Icenium. We're adding TypeScript, um, support if we haven't already got it in there. I mean, we, uh, we're fans of TypeScript. We've even done some TypeScript implementations internally. And if you look at some of these, um, existing, um, open source libraries that are normally built on TypeScript, um, one is a, um, like a little game library that used to be uh, uh, based on Act- ActionScript. There's a JavaScript version of it, um, and it's written in TypeScript. And then you can have access to the TypeScript and use it that way. Or you can, of course, it, all it does is generate idiomatic JavaScript. So if you want to pull the JavaScript out and use it directly and never know or care about the TypeScript, you can do that too. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, you know... And I mentioned on Twitter that we were talking about TypeScript today. Scott Kuhn came back with a maybe a little unkind comment where he said, uh, why is it only Microsoft developers that needs TypeScript features? Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. So uh, I have seen a lot of um, Microsofties, right? .NET Microsofties getting into the web space, getting into the JavaScript, you know, on the client side space or even on the server side, but mostly on the client side. Um, and, uh, I haven't seen as much outside of the Microsoft community. And um, uh, in fact, I've seen some resistance there. And it's not so much that Microsoft guys are the only ones who need it. Right. I think I think everyone with a, with a reasonable size, and I mean more than 100 lines of code of JavaScript, reasonable, mm. um, you know, benefit from this kind of static type checking. I think that um, uh, anything... Uh, in the kind of open source community or the cross-platform community, because of course the whole point of JavaScript and HTML 
is that you can build uh, your app once and kind of get it everywhere, right? That that's why it's so popular and so ubiquitous. Sure. Um, you know, anything that that is about multiple platforms, Microsoft has this reputation of you know, oh, you don't get sucked up into the Microsoft thing because then you'll just be doing Windows, and it's very hard for them to overcome that, right? Embrace and extend is just um, a uh, polite Microsoft. A euphemism for API lock-in, right? Right, right. And so, you know, the the larger the community as a whole um, is is uh, worried, right? That that's that you know, TypeScript is just another trick for Microsoft. And then they and then they run Visual Studio and get a little C sharp love, and they're like, oh yeah, this feels really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Visual <laughs> Studio. What Windows app would you like me to write for you? Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right. I mean, you fire it up in Visual Studio and then TypeScript yeah. is even better because of the tooling support inside Visual right. Studio. And suddenly, you know, you're mainlining Windows 8 Metro style and you can't help yourself. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. <laughs> the first one's free. <laughs> well, it feel does it feel to you like this recent reorg of Microsoft is really about them trying to De- decrease this sense of it's all about the windows and more about hey, we're living in a heterogeneous client world deal with it uh i would say half of it is right i mean they're 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 focusing what on uh you know devices and services and and apps and and, and not even half of it right the services they push really hard right azure server side um you know node.js and ruby and and, um, you know, the service and services exposed in REST and not WS star, right? right. And, um, and of course, a lot more and more of uh, ASP.NET becomes open source every day. Um, you know, on the server side, I think uh, Microsoft is doing a fabulous job on the cross-platform story. On the client side, of course, it's Windows, 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 right? Both yeah. devices and apps. It's all about filling up the, um, the Windows 8 app store. It's all about Windows 8 um, uh, devices of all kinds. Yeah, Dev Dev seems to be far more interested in, you know, TypeScript is not necessarily about anything Windows. It's about building web apps that could run all over the place. I agree. And I think the, um, the, the TypeScript team is doing everything that they could possibly do to play well in the open source community. I mean, they've made the node install tools work right they have made sure that it works with required js and they have made sure that they the language itself can describe all of the crazy constructs in the html dom i mean and and you can use it as a type description language for every one of the existing javascript libraries where you know type was not their issue right they were just trying to make it work across this huge browser base and you know they have a a compile time switch that goes backwards in time to a an older version of javascript for even an older set of browsers and they've made all of it available open source the compiler and the libraries and just everything they are doing uh everything they possibly can they're just you know they're handicapped because they're microsoft that's the only thing they're doing wrong but that's not their fault right that's just where they happen to work absolutely if the typing is just the issue, isn't there a JavaScript library you could use instead? Like, is TypeScript larger than it needs to be? There was other ways to solve these problems. Well, so uh, there were other ways, right? I mean, for example, 
um, there's lots of libraries that provide support for common patterns like namespaces and modules and classes. Uh, the problem with those is they are all um, they're all hooked up to the JavaScript syntax, right? They they can only do from a syntactic point of view what JavaScript allows, right? right. Whereas as soon as you take any language, and there are literally hundreds of languages that come that people have made compiled down to JavaScript. JavaScript is right. coming, you know, the assembly, assembly language, language. Of, of the web, right? That's yeah. a very common meme. Um, yeah. You know, Scott Hanselman has made it uh, uh, popular recently, but it, it, you know, it happened long before Scott mentioned it. Um, it's uh, it, as soon as you take, uh, you know, CoffeeScript is the other very popular one. But as soon as you take control of the language, two things have to happen. One, you can make syntax for the things that people want to do in the language be um, uh, a much more powerful, much more concise, much more consistent. Um, so, you know, in JavaScript, uh, I can pull up a library that allows me to use JavaScript syntax to say, I want a class and here's my instance methods and here's my static methods. And, you know, it's all lots of curly braces and, and uh, you have to, you know, pack it into data structure that JavaScript understands. Yeah. But as soon as you have your own compiler, right, you can provide your own, um, your own syntax and make it much more concise. Um, you know, again, I'll give you the Enum example, right? It's a 12 to one savings, um, you know, in, in, uh, in some cases with just enumerations, just because of the syntax they can add. Now the underlying code is still the same, right? The, uh, that, and the, the benefit of course, is when you have that compile time step, there's lots you can do. And that's what the static typing comes from. And the, the interesting choice that TypeScript made, unlike almost every other language that I've seen, for example, closure script, uh, script is kind of a closure implementation. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, oh, yes. we are closure yeah. with a J, right. right. Um, uh, but you know, it, it, it takes the, the lisp like syntax of closure and maps it, uh, to JavaScript, um, and that's kind of interesting because that means that you have to work a little harder to bring in existing JavaScript libraries. But with TypeScript, TypeScript is JavaScript. It's a superset of JavaScript. So everything that's legal JavaScript is legal TypeScript, and then they add additional features on top, mm. and that makes the mental mapping uh, much easier, much, right. much easier. Hey, Richard. Yes, sir. You know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to add jz.js to my library of wrappers. Oh, no. Oh, God, double pun. Save me. Oh, <laughs> oh I need to wash out my brain. I'm sorry. Right, no, it's time to uh, to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. This is everything that they do in one box. But before I tell you who that is, let's talk about Kendo UI from Telerik. That's everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. Kendo UI comes with server-side wrappers for ASP.NET MVC, so you'll be able to produce awesome HTML5 apps powered by Kendo UI without being forced to write JavaScript. Ah! Ah! Simply <laughs> program on the server, and the Kendo UI wrappers will handle the HTML and JavaScript. You'll have fun. Your boss will be amazed. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash dot net, D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 30-day trial with full support. Don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. 
Awesome. So who's our winner today, buddy? Uh, today's winner of the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection is none other than Daniel Marbach. Ah, congratulations, Daniel. And I still don't have my clappers, but oh no, that's all right. We'll find him. Daniel's got a mug or two as well. Yeah, he's a he's a fan. So we will also give away a coveted Franklin Brothers Lifeboat to Nowhere CD. And today's winner is Mitchell Sante. Ah, congratulations, Mitchell, Mitchell Sante. We'll be sending you some music. My brother and I, we do music. I don't know if you know that. Uh, and that's that's what we're talking about here. If you don't know, go to .netrocks.com and click on the big Get Free Stuff button. Join the fan club. We have thousands of members. We give away stuff in every show. Every December, we're giving away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Chris Sells, if you had $5,000 to go spend on technology, toys, what would you buy today? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, if I had five grand, I think I would split it between um, whatever the top of the line um, uh, smartwatch was and get myself a pair of the uh, Google Glass. Oh, really? Yeah. Because from my point join of view, the Borg. Uh, <laughs> I've I've been a, uh, a a Borg wannabe for a while now. I've just been waiting for the technology to catch up. You have the implants; they just need to be activated. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> do you have an Android phone? I do not have an Android phone. So you I better have... put an Android phone on the list because you can't run Google Glass without an Android phone. There yeah, I, that's uh, that's interesting too because um, you know I uh, I try to I mean Telerik does uh, things across um, all the platforms, right? We've got test yeah. tools and and uh, can do UI and Icinium, right? We we do stuff on Windows and and uh, iOS and Android all the time, right? We mm-hmm. we are are uh, promiscuous about our technologies, right? Um, and all, so that means that I can pretty much use whatever technologies I want. I don't have to use uh, a Windows phone because I'm the Windows guy. I could have an Android phone. It turns out I actually prefer my Windows phone aid. Actually, I love it. Um, Would you like a Nokia Lumia 1020 with a 41 megapixel camera? Don't tease me, man. Are you are you offering forty one megapixels? Oh my god! So it's funny. I mean, uh, the last time I had one of those um, digital cameras, it was five megapixels, and that was top of the line at the time. Oh yeah, and right. my 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 Nokia uh, Lumia nine twenty. That's what I uh, carry. Uh, I have it yeah. in my pocket right now. Um, it's only eight point five, and that's the best camera I've ever owned. It's the best camera I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's a I mean, phone. The the pictures are amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I I had an iPhone four for a long time and loved it, and the pictures were great. But the Lumia puts it to shame. And then you know I was hanging out in uh, uh, Seattle this week, and Don Box, of course, had his uh, Lumia ten twenty, and he was bragging about it. And yeah. oh my god, that yeah. thing is amazing! I can't believe. I mean, yeah, there's a little bump on the back, but it's amazing how much technology they were able to shove yeah. into that tiny little space, a yeah. 41 megapixel camera. You'd have to go DSLR if you were going to right. to get yeah, that it, kind of thing. And those are thousands could, of dollars. You can get you can get DSLR cameras for a thousand, two thousand dollars that aren't 41 megapixels. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. And then um, he told me too that he got the the little plastic case and he said that makes a huge difference, right? It's like a camera, an actual 
camera and it's it's 41 megapixels and you can hear the little mechanical zoom right when you do the zooming yeah. apparently there's some uh, it's amazing to it's me that crazy. is it, it's hard to believe any uh any phone on any platform that's any better than that one yeah i agree and that brings us back to what else are you working on these days? I mean, you mentioned Icinium at uh, Telerik, and we we don't talk about that all that much. Is that something that you know things about? I, I do know things about Icinium. In fact, I'm a huge Icinium fan. We just shipped the V1 earlier this year, and uh, for uh, I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but the thing that that I love about it is it is a um, a cloud based development environment. In fact, the the name Icinium comes from those those first three letters ice um, integrated cloud environment as opposed to kind of the integrated uh, ah. open environment that's where the name comes from and wow uh, I didn't know that yeah yeah and so you can you know we do have the standalone Windows client and we uh, we have the browser based client and you can go back and forth between those but the thing that is amazing to me about it is this idea of of taking a single source code base JavaScript HTML CSS that is both your um, your application's um, logic and its UI, and to be able to write that um, with a set of libraries that are smart enough to change their look and feel. If you if you take that app and you run it on iOS, it looks like iOS because the mm. Kindle UI mobile controls will switch it and mm. make it look like iOS. And if you run it on Android, it'll look like Android. And we're adding support for Windows Phone 8, so if you run it there, it'll look like Windows Phone 8. And... Mm. Not only so that's based on the the amazing uh, capabilities in the Kinder UI uh, mobile controls, but then you you write that in this IDE and the IDE does server side builds to actually package for you um, uh, the binary so that you can take your JavaScript, CSS, and HTML and get an iOS binary and put it in the Apple Store and and it will hmm. run like a native app on on the tablet or the phone. You do the same thing with Android. You'll be able to do the same thing uh, with uh, Windows Phone 8. Um, and, and you're using the phone gap base there. It, it's, right? uh, it's Cordova. It's based on Cordova, Cordova which is the uh, open source um, uh, phone gap. Um, Adobe acquired uh, phone gap itself. The, right. But the Cordova is what we base that uh, technology on. Um, and, of course, we, uh, we have uh, server... Uh, side services for doing uh, analytics and for storing uh, data um, in uh, in our EverLive uh, backend service for building mobile apps that way. Um, so you can define uh, you know schemas and and hook them directly up in your app, and that's integrated into the IDE. Hmm. Uh, it's an amazing environment, and so so I'm. And are I, you are you actually doing the development? You can do your development wherever you want, right? Uh, and then sort of upload it sort of the way Azure does it or how, what's the uh, development experience like? So you can absolutely build it with notepad if you want to, or sublime or whatever the, the optimized um, development path um, right now is, you know, you use either the browser based or the standalone um, IDE client for writing your code. And we've got IntelliSense and syntax highlighting. And in fact, um, all of that technology comes from our just code line of products where we, we mm. enhance Visual Studio with um, all those extra productivity features. And we use that as the, the core of implementing our own IDE. Um, but you could, you can build it in whatever environment you want and, and, and then use Icenium as the, as the packaging um, and simulation. But 
the other cool feature about uh, Icenium is, you know, if you have lots of developers you're building for devices, you've got maybe um, an iPad connected to your machine and iOS, Android, etc. And what Icenium will do is every time you make a change in your app, it'll actually automatically deploy the updated version to all of the devices that you've got <laughs> So as you're making changes, they just light up with the new app, and then you can reach out and test it, oh, and make a change, and then it'll light up with the new version, and then you test it, and it's an amazing environment. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, and it it did turn into a commercial. I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, as it turns out. No, well, you know, we never, it's very cool technology, and we really haven't talked about it all that much, so there you go. Well, and then the thing that I'm doing, the the way I'm using Icenium, so again, I uh, I explore my own technologies evenings and weekends. I try to grab some coding time here and there. Um, and what I'm doing is I've been experimenting with uh, taking us building a single app with a single source code base and making it work on five separate platforms. And Icenium helps me target three of them, um, uh, iOS, Android, and um, Windows Phone. And then I'm also targeting uh, Windows 8 and the web. And I'm trying to do all of this with a single source code base. Yeah. And, and That's really cool. It's, uh, it's interesting because that puts you down um, the path of some, uh, of some architectural decisions and some library decisions and some tooling decisions. Uh, if you want to build a single source code base with, this, with the UI that adapts all the way from the phone to the um, the big screen, right? If you're running on a mm-hmm. tablet or the desktop, mm-hmm. the desktop browser, right? Then you have to think about that from the beginning. Uh, you have to think about where your uh, how you're doing templating and where your UI comes from, because most web developers still do server side generation of the UI. But in in many of my cases, I won't have a server to generate the UI for me. I'll have a server to get my data for me, but not to generate the UI. And s- now, what's you, you? There's a couple of really think cool things here that you me, you mentioned in passing that I just want to clarify. So, if you're using uh, Icinium, you're building uh, a web site. Then, you when you hit those that website with your mobile browser, you you get the experience. But then you can take that one step further and make a native app, right? Actually, using that's the not Cordova. True. Is no, that not Icenium, okay. Icenium is is right now today targeted at building hybrid mobile apps in the hybrid sense hybrid mobile app. Okay, good. Right. So it is not for building websites. Kendo UI right. is all about building websites and it's very popular for that. But it um Icenium is specifically for targeting um uh mobile devices, iOS, Android and, and Windows Phone. Okay, yeah, that was one thing I wanted to clear up. And the other thing is uh since you're just plain old JavaScript. Are there things that um, are there are there things that you might have in your JavaScript libraries like Backbone or Angular or anything like that that you wouldn't necessarily need to use because of the stuff that's already in Kendo UI? Oh well, or could you use either or? Well, you can definitely use either or, right? I mean, uh, Kendo UI is a um, is a set of JavaScript libraries um, based on jQuery. Um, but it's like uh, libraries like any other, right? You can mix and match. That's one of the things that um, uh, JavaScript programmers are very used right. to doing. The thing that's somewhat unique about um, Kendo UI is that they work very hard to make sure that end-to-end functionality is in there. So you don't have to mix in um, uh, a, a number of libraries. Um, you can just rely on uh, 
can do UI. For example, not only do they provide um, a large set of uh, very high quality controls, but they also provide data binding, right? So right. you can get that out of the box. They also provide a wonderful um, uh, abstraction around data from various sources. Um, so you can you can pull it in in a in a seamless way, hooking yeah. it up to data binding. It provides localization support. It provides dozens of these features that you would normally oh you want this feature you pull in that library you want this feature right. you pull in that library it's meant to be an end to end solution right but of course if you have those libraries and if you want to use any other javascript library totally. for that matter yeah. like if totally. typescript is your thing and you want to drive all this stuff from typescript you're certainly welcome to do that well and not only that but um uh you know i could uh, uh i haven't actually uh gotten I've been doing layout and understanding responsive layout in my project initially and trying to get mm. the kind of the build system working and, and the basics of kind of UI working. I haven't written a lot of code yet. I've been focused on the HTML side, but um, the uh, there's nothing stopping me from using TypeScript. Uh, kind of UI has a set of uh, TypeScript wrappers, so I can do static analysis on my code that I write against kind of UI. Hmm. Very cool. Absolutely. It just sort of begs this whole idea of the, the JavaScript is the lingua franca that it can run across all these different things. You, you know, you were one of the champions of WinJS. You wrote a book, didn't you? I did indeed, yes. And, uh, I mean, now that you're done with that, actually, I'm stealing Sean Wilderman's question. So, where's, how are you feeling about WinJS now? So, uh, so it's interesting. Um, so, the book I wrote was all about how to build you know, uh, first class, uh, windows eight applications using HTML and JavaScript. And I wrote this with, um, Brandon Satram, who's also, a uh, coincidentally, and it, it, believe me, it was coincidence. He's also a Telerik employee. Hmm. Um, he, he wasn't at the time that we started uh, working together. Um, and the book has nothing to do with that. He just turns out to be an enormously talented individual. Uh, the, um, the book is all about HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. And, uh, absolutely, we talk about um, WinJS, but we talk about it from the um, uh, scenario point of view, which is, hey, how do I deal with the state of my application, both settings and, and documents and, and roaming? How do I deal with, hey, I want to do drawing in my app. Do I use Canvas? Do I use SVG? What are the trade-offs? How do I integrate with the shell? How do I integrate uh, via contracts with other um apps on installed on the system how do i um uh get responsive ui and you know what are the controls that are built in and of course the controls themselves come from winjs and a bunch of the wrappers that you get around the win 30 well not win 32 apis the win and uh rt apis come from from winjs so it's not a book about winjs it is a book about how to write First class Windows 8 applications using JavaScript. And of course, we bring uh, WinJS into the picture. None of which answers Sean's questions, which is how do I feel about WinJS? Yeah. So how do you feel about WinJS? So how do you feel? Just, you know, you know, skipping ahead to what I knew was coming up next, which is answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So from a, um, if you are building Windows 8 and HTML apps, 
the library for you to use is WinJS, hands down. It has right. all of those controls that you need to build something that is tailored for Metro style. If you want the list view with the tiles and the scrolling and the drag and drop and the touch and the select and all of those things that fit into the Metro style UI, you will, it is crazy for you not to use WinJS. You will be using WinJS and the styles come from WinJS and all of that. Um, but in my experience, when people uh, build um, things in HTML uh, and JavaScript and CSS, they do it for a very specific reason. They do it because they want their source code to work everywhere. Right. And uh, as much as I like the Metro style UI and would love to run WinJS um, uh, inside of the um, browser um, uh, and use Cordova to build an iOS app, or to build a website, uh, Microsoft doesn't support that scenario. They won't. They won't support me in doing that. I doubt they'll come after me, right, with the mm. team of lawyers if I try it. Uh, or though, although maybe they might, but they don't. They definitely do not support that scenario. So there, I know there are things that won't work. I don't know what they will be. I won't know until I try to sit down and use them. And uh, when I do find those things that don't work and I submit bugs, they won't fix them because they don't care. Right? They want everyone to be building Windows applications, um, at least the client team. Now, obviously, the ASP.NET guys have a great number of wonderful technologies for building cross-platform web browser apps, both right. mobile and, and desktop. Right, But you know, the, the WinJS guys are focused on how do you build the, the best possible Windows 8 app. So they're not interested in supporting you know, building cross-platform apps. Well, and the apps. stats from the App Store are showing... Like eighty five percent C sharp XAML for the Win eight apps. Well, and and we're finding um, in our own customer base that most of our Windows eight customers, it's overwhelmingly C sharp. And yeah, and, and that makes sense, right? Because of where Windows eight in terms of its ramp up, um, it it's ramped better than um, Vista, but not as good as Windows seven. Um, and because of industry, you know, corporations kind of reflex to upgrade kind of every other version of mm -hmm. Windows, right? So they're either they've upgraded to Windows 7 from XP or they're still in the process of updating to Windows 7 from XP. They are unlikely to adopt Windows 8, much more likely to adopt Windows 9. It's just too soon in the in the cycle. Right. And so um the the ramp of Windows 8 just hasn't been enough to appeal from a developer community point of view to to people who aren't already Microsoft developers. Now, for people who are Microsoft developers, you know, Metro style apps um, in C Sharp and XAML, it's a very natural feel. And, and Windows RT looks just like the .NET library for those developers, and it's a very natural transition, right? But for uh, the well, and on the HTML side, because it is just a standards-based um, HTML um, uh, environment when you're building Windows 8 apps uh, using HTML and JavaScript, it's just IE right in there with some slightly uh, different um, security settings. Um, right. right. But it's just IE. So it's a standards-based browser. So you can build you know, real HTML apps without ever using WinJS if you wanted to, although it won't look like a Metro-style app. Um, so it's familiar, right? It's built to be familiar to web developers. They can bring their assets, they can bring their code, they can bring their skills, right? And they can be immediately productive. 
if they wanted to be. And, and that second part is the most important. As of right now, the installed base of Windows isn't enough to motivate people. Right. There's so no incentive to make a, yeah. a, a native Win8 app yeah, as, these, as these an HTML are, guy. Yeah, these, just run it in the browser. Close enough. I don't have to maintain another code base. Yeah. And and um, it is just now um, – I mean, those a lot of those guys are still bringing their websites over to – you know, iOS or Android, which is an, enormously popular, and they're swamped with that work. Right. And it's only when they're done with that or, you know, Windows 8 becomes a r- runaway bestseller that they'll really care about coming over to that platform. And when that happens, you know, HTML is a natural environment for them to pick up because they're already familiar with it as opposed to C Sharp and XAML. Mm. Right. Yeah, and I wonder what the... R- what role TypeScript will ultimately play in all of that as well? Because there is something there. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've had this conversation actually um, with uh, the WinJS guys because they're my friends, right? I used to work on mm-hmm. the team. Hey, when do I get a you know a set of TypeScript wrappers for WinJS? And it turns mm-hmm. out that those come from the TypeScript team, um, and I have ha- um, hacked on them a little bit to to flesh them out in, in places where I've needed them. So you can definitely do it and you definitely get the benefits. But what I really want to see is, you know, and I've built my own set of templates, right? I can say file new project, windows eight, um, uh, TypeScript app, right? So I can do that. Um, and I've made those templates available on my, um, website, although they are targeted at dot eight, they need to be updated to, to dot nine. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so I can I can have those benefits, but I really want it to come out of the box, right? I want the Microsoft to support because right now the tooling support for TypeScript is available via the Web Essentials plugin, which is their kind of crazy futures laboratory. I want it to come out of the box. Well, why wouldn't it though? Oh, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? You think? I think it will. I think it will. I think when TypeScript gets to 1.0. And it's um, it's gained the traction and it's stabilized. I think that um, uh, that will be, and not only just Windows 8 apps. Uh, I I'm hoping that Microsoft will push it everywhere that they have JavaScript today. That they'll have first right. class support for TypeScript. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And it, and and I'm actually just looking at the the encyclopedia app example on the TypeScript site. Which is a, a Win8 store application yes. using WinJS. Yes, it absolutely is. Yes. So there, there are templates here for you to, to experiment with that, and you get to use TypeScript in the process. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because when I went to build... So what I did was I refactored a couple of the existing um, JavaScript-based templates um, using TypeScript, right? So you say, file new project, and you pick a TypeScript template, and it, it gives you TypeScript code. And, and of course, it generates JavaScript code in the background, right? But you get to write in TypeScript. And most of that exercise was throwing code away. Huh. Right? This uh, is indeed. code I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. If you can get your head around the idea that less code, better. Yes. Channel your inner Billy Hollis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he's little, right? All of us can have Billy Hollis inside us. Ah. <laughs> You're addicted to code. <laughs> Oh, that would be such a great ringtone. <laughs> I am an addict. <laughs> Actually, you could probably carry Billy Hollis around in your pocket. 
We should get one of those <laughs> those action figures, right? You know, as long have, as it like, talks. You know? They have like the Shakespeare one and the librarian action figure, right? I want a Billy Hollis action figure. That's what Absolutely. I Absolutely. Mean. And the nice. little string on the side, right? You, you just, just have the string and it says, y- y- you must suck as a coder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Now I have. To oh boy! I love stuff. the Reverend. That's a product right there. We'll have to send him a royalty, but it's. I think we could sell. Maybe that. a talking bobblehead would be good. Oh man! Yep, that would be awesome to have Billy Hollis's head nodding all, right. it all day on my desk. We're in business. <laughs> Let's get these <laughs> <Nice>. things made. <laughs> well, anyway, do you still have the kilt? Speaking of uh, personality. Things. Oh, it's funny. So, you know, I bought the kilt long ago to go to Burning Man, and it turned out that, you know, a man wearing a skirt was like the minimum bar in terms <laughs> yeah, it's of like, yeah. dress yeah. code. You thought at, you'd be weird. No, no. <laughs> God, I was the normal one, right? Um, I looked like Tank Girl because I had like the arm <laughs> plus goggles, right? And the <laughs> kilt, and oh, yeah. So, was uh, it a Utila kilt? Wasn't it, it was. It was a yeah. tiller kilt. It was camo, so I would blend in with the desert, right? It worked out great. <laughs> but actually, no, that is uh, – I just – I literally – it's funny you ask that. I literally pulled that out of my closet yesterday to put wow. on the garage sale um, list because it has been a while since I've, I've needed to wear a skirt as part of my everyday life. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're planning on uh, selling the house and moving to a, a Portland area floating home. Do you guys know about these things? No. I've heard about floating homes. So floating things, sleepless in Seattle, right? Where Tom Hanks and his, and his son were living. That's a floating yeah. home. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and it turns out there's something like 5,000 of these in the entire United States, and half of them are in the Portland area. We've got a, a dozen or so mortgages, and we spent the last few weeks kind of looking – um, uh, at these floating homes and there's an enormous, so for example, um, uh, they only enforced building codes for floating homes as of 2005. Wow. Right. So these things have been around for, uh, decades, right. But they, uh, they've only recently had building codes associated with them. And of course all the existing ones were just grandfathered in. Right. So yeah, you never quite know what you're going to mm. get. It's, I mean, these things popped up from the loggers, just building on the river to be close to their work and and then they've been updated or not since then and it's an enormous uh, variety of different sizes and qualities and how's the bandwidth uh well that was one of the questions i always ask when i go to the mortgages what's the internet connection here right i work for a living right i need uh i need a high-speed internet so it's always at least cable i haven't found fiber yet which is going to be hard to give up so what's next man what are you working on now well, I'm still, I mean, I just got stuck in with my, you know, my five, uh, my five platforms projects. So I'm, I'm working on that, um, as a company, you know, Telerik continues to push into the, you know, the, uh, the mobile space, right. right? I mean, with, with, um, our testing tools and our, um, uh, Icenium project and it just becomes, and of course, Windows 8, right? Windows 8 and tablets and Windows Phone 8, right? These are all, uh, mm-hmm. big deals for Telerik, right? Mobile support in our um, Ajax controls um, to make right. sure that we can handle touch. And, and one of the, actually the most, uh, the, the funnest thing that we've done, because I'm a fan of, of touch so much on my Windows 8 laptop that I don't want it just in my Metro style apps. I want it on my desktop. 
right? Absolutely. I want it on all apps. I find that, you know, I'm sitting at my keyboard and I look at a thing on the screen and I want to interact with it. And I could either reach for my mouse and then reach for the thing, or I could just reach for the thing. Yeah. I T- love, you know, touch is so much bigger than any OS or any implementation of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the idea that a laptop, at this point, I can't imagine a laptop without touch. It's just one of the ways that you interact. And it's it's funny, we have, um, you know, we've had responsive UI design for a while, right, where, you know, a single app um, expands or contracts and shows different things in different ways based on the size that it's given, right? Either it's smaller on mm. the desktop or bigger, mm. or it's smaller on mobile or tablets or whatever. But I'm finding that responsive input uh, design is becoming just as important, right? Not only do apps need to work well with the mouse and the keyboard, they have to work well with touch. They are starting to need to work well with the pen, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have like leap motion kinds of, of gesturing or connect style mm-hmm. gesturing speech, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like we've suddenly exploded in terms of the ability to provide input into these uh, devices of all shapes and sizes. Yep. Um, and so I'm seeing that. And so we've been pushing um, that even into our desktop WPF product. Um, huge support for touch and touch themes and, and being able to switch on the fly, like Office 2013, between mouse and, and touch input predominantly. And and I just want to see touch everywhere. I don't want to yep. see it just in my Metro-style app. So, so that's, that's a thing that we push hard on here at Telerik. Chris, keep doing the awesome stuff that you do. Love it. Thank you very much, Carl. I'll do my best. All right. And we'll talk to you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.